Uh, is this box from your office? Yeah. What's the frame picture of? The, from what I see, I see like a devil's head. It's a LeBron James print. Why is there like? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Up in the yeah, top right corner. Yeah, because it's done in like a traditional like samurai art style. Uh, okay. I can't explain it. Well, the top right corner looks pretty cool. Pretty edgy for like uh for professional for a professional setting. I like it. Um okay. but it's it was the thing I think I brought up with you when we were texting once about cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. It's the guy, some guy posted his art onto the NBA subreddit. And he's like, "Hey, I'm just a graphic artist. I'm from London." I'm currently living in Australia and I got really into this very kind of specific style of Japanese art and I love the NBA. So I combined those (laughs) two things and he's done a bunch of like prints of like NBA players in this Japanese uh, art style. It's called Edo maybe. Okay. I need to see more of it now. But that's what that is. Heavy. Well, it's probably wedged in there between some other stuff. <laughs> I love the blood splatter. Yeah. Does it? Do I see at the bottom who the blood is from, or is it just no? It's just there's just arrows. Okay. Oh, it's, it's being his blood. shot with arrows. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought he made somebody spontaneously combust as he went up to dunk on him. No. Um, All right, well, cool. Well, yeah, that's my box of stuff. And this is your first day of unemployment. Yeah. So what'd you do? We went to Bush Gardens. Oh. You actually did something. Yeah. Yeah, I took the girls. We went to Bush Gardens. We only went for a couple hours. Was it um, worth it? Yeah, it was worth it because there wasn't very many people there. Uh, so we were able to go on like every ride we wanted to go on. We went on it as many times as we wanted. And you, we didn't have to wait in line for anything. And, and unless the ride was like in progress, we never had to wait in line. Uh, I know this is late, but are you sure there weren't very many people there? What did I say? There wasn't. Well, whatever. <laughs> We can play it back. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, when we left, I had a flat tire. Again? Again, yeah. So Same one? Apparently. So I was telling you, yeah, because the, the part that I patched with the like shrapnel, mm-hmm. I was fairly certain a regular plug was not going to work on that mm-hmm. because it's like a gash, right? Yeah. It's not like a hole from a nail. But I did it anyways. And I just slathered it in rubber cement. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I I didn't expect it to work. But then for like the past week, it's been totally fine. Mm. It's lost nowhere whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, I drive an hour to Mm -hmm. Williamsburg. And it obviously can't take that stress. And it's handled the drive up perfectly fine. But when you came back, it was like had like half of the amount of air pressure in it that it needed so i just drove to wawa and did the fix a flat thing which ruined your tire but it 
seals it up. Um, so you still didn't just get a new tire? No. <laughs> and then I put air in it and drove back. And it's been holding up so far. <laughs> I'll get a new tire eventually. Yeah, what are you waiting for? Just out of curiosity. I don't want to spend your hundred bucks on a tire. Are you due for new tires? No. None of my other tires need to be replaced. They're all perfectly fine. Mm. That's the other thing, too, is like they never recommend that you just replace one tire. It's always like, well, you should just do them as a set. Mm-hmm. And I definitely do not want to do them as a set. Um, yeah, you should just get a used tire. And I also, yeah, I, but I also don't do a ton of driving. Like with my new job will be a, a bit of an exception because it's eight miles away. But my current job, when I drove to it, it's like it takes me literally five minutes to drive to. Mm-hmm. My hope is that you are extremely late your first day because your tire oh, I've is I've already flat imagined it. I've already or blows it. up, and that your new boss has done his homework on you now that he's hired you and kind of <laughs> searched you on the internet and listens to this, uh-huh. and he's like, "Your was it that same tire from?" You know, four weeks ago, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, I also I have a spare that I could just put on. It's not it's not a full size spare, of course, Uh, but it is a spare. But that's also like if it was full sized, it would have been on there already. Yeah, because I've been for probably at least two years now, been like pumping this thing full of air whenever the temperature changes because it loses Mm -hmm. way more than all the other tires lose. But it's not a full size spare, and you're not supposed to drive around on those either. So it's like, yeah, I just have to buy another tire, but I really don't want to. Yeah, I like the fact that you have used the uh, adjective shrapnel to describe (laughs) what was in your tire. And yet you still see it as a viable solution to just keep slathering it in rubber cement and bubble gum and uh, just, you know. Ride that thing for, and you don't need new tires. So, I mean, in a perfect world, when would you get new tires next year? So, like, we're just delaying the inevitable on this thing for a year. Yeah, well, a year's a long time. No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's not going to happen. Why not just say, hey, I don't want to deal with the inconvenience of walking outside and anticipating a flat tire every time I get into my car? Let's just nip this in the bud and let me just. Go get a full spare. Well, I was on there. Well, look, I wasn't anticipating a flat tire until this latest one happened. Before that, it was always just, hey, it would lose like five or six pounds of pressure if the temperature changed and my light would go on. Mm-hmm. It's like still totally drivable. It wasn't a huge deal. But then I got an actual, it was completely flat from this metal piece of whatever that had. These are life shredded my tire, right? These are life's little inconveniences that I cannot abide. I just, I would pay whatever I needed to, to get a new tire because I just would not want to deal with patching, going out, seeing it flat after bush gardens, driving it somewhere, getting another patch. How much was the patch? I mean, I'm sure it was cheap at Wawa. Six bucks. So six bucks. I don't know. I want to, I want to tabulate your costs on patching this. There is a chance I think you would you could get into a funk where you would spend a hundred dollars on patching over the course of like <laughs> well, eight months. I don't months. think so because <laughs> I bought a kit, like a plug kit, uh-huh. and I bought that probably when I first got the car, so like four or five years ago, and I've still been using that same kit. 
mm-hmm. to just plug you know the hole whenever something whenever get a flat tire hey listen if it doesn't annoy you good for it's you it's definitely annoying but it's I mean, it's less obviously annoying not. than spending a hundred dollars on a new tire or however much. I don't know how much a used tire costs. Right, but right. We but can find I'm, it for I'm driving on a used tire. So what's yeah, the point? No, you're driving on a tire that had shrapnel in it, and that you're trying to patch. Yeah, but how do I know the used tire I'm buying didn't also have shrapnel in it or nails in it? Go to a good place. You're good at researching. Research a good place. Yeah, and go get a used tire for. 25 bucks or whatever. All, all you need to tell me is I need this thing to last for eight months. Well, that's the other thing. I don't know how long tires are supposed to last. Like my tires are in good shape. Like they're not, the tread's not low or anything. And like I said, I don't drive the car much. Yeah. So it's not like they've been worn down. Yeah. We get like the cheapest and they say like 50,000 miles or whatever. Mm. But you know, it seems like that's, the ball parkiest of ballparks, right. you know. Yeah, so that's what we did. Okay. Um, I was talking to somebody today, um, and we we got to talking about, um, like CRISPR and all that. You know, the genetic modifying. Uh, technology. Okay, not the salad buffet restaurant or whatever <laughs> that place is called. No, is there one? Yeah, it's something like that. And their main food is just an open salad, salad. bar. Yeah, 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 it's like uh Chipotle, but for like salads. Isn't that what they say is like the most unhealthy, like open air salad and fixings? Is like probably yeah, but I mean whatever. Yeah, hey, good for you. <laughs> oh, we got a flat tire, whatever. Oh, this list might have salmonella. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. That's just is fear mongering to me. I, okay, I don't think it's. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Okay, let's. Uh, I think we can pivot. Um, fear mongering. So, um, I posted uh, something today, and I just there's one aspect of this that I wanted to kind of like. Uh, talk through, work through with you. All right. And we've kind of danced around this, but we haven't uh, addressed it directly. Um, I posted on Facebook, if the deep state isn't real, my local pizza place isn't a front for human trafficking, for a human trafficking syndicate, and the boy offering to mow my yard isn't looking to kill me, as part of a gang initiation, then you try and justify my three AR-15s. <laughs> and the first uh, reply I get is, um, that government exists and they have better guns than that. Well, actually, he said, better guns that that. Mm. Um, you need to have at least... AR-15s when someone decides that your life and liberty don't belong to yourself. But if you disarm the government first, then I will give up mine. No problem, but government goes first. And you know what I love about these people? These are the same people (laughs) who are shouting Blue Lives Matter from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. You mean these are the same people who whenever a uh, 
whenever uh, a black person is killed by the cops, their first justification is, well, they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is listen to what the cops are telling you mm-hmm. to do. You know what I mean? It's like, they're, it's like listen, when, it, when, when it, a cop is crying, screaming at you to get down the floor, right. and he's shaking, and it looks like <laughs> you know, in the safeties off his gun, right. you know, just do what he's saying to do, yeah. you know? And he's giving you conflicting orders. Right. Yeah. I just love that that when it comes to justifying these high-powered rifles, their their first excuse is, well, it's to protect me from the government, right? But then when you have an example of government overstepping their bounds, their first excuse is just to appeal to authority. Mm-hmm. It is so crazy how mm-hmm. these people talk themselves in circles. I just don't get it. More more than that, I, I so this is something else that has been on my mind quickly, yeah. maybe an aside. I have seen ever since the Charlottesville thing mm-hmm. where it was a, a bunch of different alt-right communities sort of coming together and and the some of the one of the manifestations of that was like all seeing all these different uh, flags and like all the different symbology they use (laughs) yeah uh and that was really the first time that i had seen the thin blue line flag Mm. and i don't know if it's an instance of that exposure popularizing it more in the culture or that or my exposure to it making me more aware of it. Mm-hmm. But I have seen a lot more thin blue line flags and like bumper stickers ever since the Charlottesville thing. And I just think it's interesting that, and I'm not saying that to be like, Oh, all of these people who are now proudly like sh- displaying this thing are white supremacists. But I just find that to be interesting. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, are you, First, are they aware that it just is interesting to me that like people are possibly like have like come across this thing that they're now proudly displaying because it was being flown by white supremacists. So it just it was and and I noticed it because um, there's a couple guys uh, that drive their trucks up and down damn neck that I'll notice when I'm walking the dog that have one flying now. And there's like one or two people who have it as like bumper stickers on their cars at work. Yeah. I, on my way to work, I drive behind a guy normally and he does the, uh, he has the, my family as represented by like AR 15s. So apparently he has right. a, uh, yeah. But here's the thing about him. I guarantee that he is like anti any kind of gender fluidity idea. Mm-hmm. But when I'm looking at your mini AR 15 sticker, I don't know if that's a boy gun or a girl gun. Right. <laughs> so uh, I think you're kind of, you're, you're leaving it up to your uh, child to determine yeah. their gender. Yeah. And the other thing too about that is like, what do you think? Like if we, I, I know I've said this before, if we are in a state where you are legitimately afraid that the government is coming after you, that you will need to use, protect yourself and your family with an AR-15, they are going to just carpet bomb your neighborhood. (laughs) They're not going to come knock on your door. 
they're going to blow you up with a drone. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. if that's literally the place where we're at, where you're having to defend yourself with an AR-15, like you're already dead. Yeah. So exactly. That's kind of where I want to go. So I replied back. I said, yep, my double fisting AR-15 is what will bring the government to its knees. Yeah. And he said, your snarky tone doesn't change the historical fact. The best armies in the world have fallen time and time again to freedom fighters with small arms. The U.S. has lost many times exactly uh, those kinds of people. Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, the British, to the U.S., and many others. And I said, I'm morbidly curious as to the scenario you see playing out where, quote, freedom fighters effectively fight off the U.S. government who has spent nearly $700 billion on its military. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we are the number one financed military in the world. Right. And what, by a lot. By a lot. And what those other people didn't have at their disposal are the drones and the lack of care and concern for them to bomb you. Like, if you as an American citizen are in the sights of your government, mm-hmm. then you're dead. Right. That's it. Like, Iraq and Afghanistan was a quagmire for a lot of reasons, you know? Yeah. But one of them, I don't think, is that. We were outgunned, you know? We just had to put up a, like, proposed or just, like, a theoretical concern for civilians, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, if, if a civil war broke out against, quote-unquote, freedom fighters and their AR-15s, what does that look like? What does that scenario look yeah. like? And what did the government do to, like, piss you off? Did they like uh, that's everything that I didn't say to him, but what would that look like that would trigger all these like hyper, uh, not caffeinated, masculine, mm-hmm. testosterone, um, steroid injected uh, hogs, as yeah. Chapo says, to grab their AR 15s and take arms against the government? Yeah. Like, is it just single payer healthcare? No, it's, you know, is, it's is that letting it? trans people use whatever bathroom they want. Right, <laughs> That's right. What it is. It's trans people, and it's at, at all. Um, if the NFL goes away. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing too, is this guy, like I was saying, this guy is what so afraid of the government like ransacking his neighborhood, but he's the first one to fall in line and like praise everything that like, they're not like the government that he's afraid of is not interested in fighting a war with guns, right? With their own population. They're fighting that war with like propaganda. You know what I mean? Like he, you've already lost that war because you think that, uh, you need to protect yourself from Brown people in your neighborhood who are wearing hoodies. Right. You know what I mean? Like you've lost, like you're, you're already in the government's pocket. You have nothing to be afraid of. You're the first one to, who will roll over on your neighbor. You know what I mean? It just is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I said instead, uh, maintaining the stance that universal healthcare is a wild, unsustainable privilege and institutionally disenfranchising minorities and the poor is a far more real and compelling war, quote unquote, tactic 
uh, that is not theoretical, but currently the ruling ideology, you don't need an AR to fight that battle, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we are, especially like him and, and myself, like I am eating off the cream of this society, mm-hmm. you know, as a white middle-class educated person. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest, I'm not like, I, I understand my, my real privilege in place. The cream sucks. It doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm already dissatisfied. Right. But I am not the people who are currently being like literally targeted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, by our government. And yet his theoretical concept of a government coming at war against him is like far flung and far off, right? right? He's not tying it to any current policies that are actually impacting and disenfranchising people. Like that to him is nothing to be concerned about because it's not a battle that you can shoot a bullet at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, give me something more tangible here. I want to look my enemy in the eye when I shoot him. And you, know, you coming at me with all this like economics talk and CEOs making too much money. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a clear target to shoot right. at with that, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it just, I, I read this um, study where uh, this guy, ju- he just published like the first step in it, but it was basically exploring fake news mm-hmm. and people who are susceptible to it. And basically what his initial findings uh, found is that it's not, just or only uh, partisan um, politics that determines somebody's susceptibility to false news. Mm-hmm. And that's on both sides of the aisle. Uh, but it is, for lack of a better term, it's just lazy thinking that makes people susceptible to it. Yeah. All you have to be is analytical to actually, like, that's the secret sauce to, like, not propagate false kind of uh, stories and data. Um, and yet that is like an, an unsolvable problem that we're facing in our near future. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we stop this tide of fake news? It's like, just use your brain. Like, just don't be lazy. Yeah. And I just don't see how somebody who's so motivated to have an elaborate scenario of how the government could rise up against us and how we would need to defend ourselves sees no value in applying that same energy towards what are some problems today. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to prompt you on where to look at, just where are the problems that we see today. And it's probably still uh, in 25 years, you know, the government could could have all our guns. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the thing is, is like you said, we are on the sort of fringes of the cream of the crop, right? Just by default, just by luck, basically. And because we're in that zone, like people in that zone have, they don't really have a whole lot to worry about. You know what I mean? So you can spend your time, I feel like, creating these elaborate scenarios where you are being attacked despite like not ever actually facing any pressure 
mm-hmm. or any attack. You know what I mean? And the, you know, there's a, there's a segment of politics that feeds off of that, that feeds off of like the, the worst case scenario of that. And that's what this guy is. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he doesn't have to think about anybody else. He's never <laughs> had to think about anybody else's struggles in the society. All he knows is his own perspective. And it's just this kind of like lazy confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What I find funny as well is, have you followed this like Sasha Baron Cohen stuff at all? Yeah. What I find hilarious as well is the lengths to which people will need to go to try to explain or excuse their idiocy. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's been revealed what he got Sarah Palin to say or do in right. the interview. But the fact that she is out there wildly yes. like screaming yes. about what was done to her and the amount of people that are rushing to her defense for something that we don't even know what it is yet. Right. I find absolutely hilarious. And I find it as being emblematic of a lot of these people who have a piece of the cultural zeitgeist in the year. I'll put Ben Shapiro in with the Sarah Palin, mm-hmm. you know, camp. And, you know, Dick Cheney, I know that he got him to sign a waterboarding kit, right? right? That's what he got mm-hmm. Dick Cheney to do. Um, <clears throat> but we've, like, we've passed through the looking glass now where, like, people... Are, are being like, oh, Sasha Baron Cohen, he's such a, a dumb Hollywood elite, right? Mm-hmm. He's so stupid. Then he dupes one of their heroes, and they have to be like, uh, stolen valor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, he impersonated a veteran. Yeah. Well, and, you, you see, he also got Roy Moore, right? Roy did he Moore get Roy came Moore? out and was like, I was duped by Sasha Baron Cohen, too. <laughs> and that, to me, is now, like, the new dog whistle for, like, Hey, look, I said some really stupid shit to this guy, and it's going to probably come <laughs> out, but he was just being, he, exactly, he, he's, he, it's stolen valor. He was right. pretending to be a disabled veteran, blah, 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 and she's like, okay. And I'm not the biggest fan of Sasha Baron Cohen. Right. Like, the original Ollie G show was hilarious, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I haven't really kept up with anything he's done since then. But I cannot wait <laughs> to see what is in those interviews. <laughs> And it's just so hilarious to see them scramble, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to think what will live up to my expectations at this point. Like, what do I think Sarah Palin did? Right. But it's also hilarious just to think about all the things I think he could have gotten her to do right. or say, you know? Yeah. And you look at the Papa John's founder. <laughs> who, like said the N word on a conference call, and you're like, that's within the realm of possibility. You probably got them all to say the N word. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for that. But it's like a it's a Showtime show, right? Mm-hmm. And I keep expecting the next news to be like they're pulling the plug on the show because there's going to be a lot of but conservative think, outrage. Yeah, but this is Showtime. Listen, number one, that's not going to happen. I, I would put it on two reasons. Number one, Showtime is like, what, what, what's a good analogy? Um, 
they are the last blockbuster open in the country (laughs) and everyone's moved on to netflix and hbo and any coverage at all is good cover like i don't know but people really care about the stolen valor like people really like genuinely get upset about i I don't see showtime as in a power position at all yeah to like turn people away from interest to be like no yeah there's no garbage fire over here i see them being like listen do people want to see a garbage fire i'll light all this garbage <laughs> right. on fire do, will anybody watch that like yeah. so the fact that they are showtime number one and number two the fact that they are paid subscription service you know what i mean like i just don't it's not like these stolen valor people are showtime subscribers mm. you know what i mean i would be shocked i I don't know their demographic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, see, I imagine their demographic as people who don't realize they have Showtime. Right, exactly. Their demographic is the people who get three months free of Showtime when they sign up for and a direct TV. And they forget to cancel. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I am actually, I keep getting emails. Um, so we have Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And I keep getting emails where they're like, hey, you get a free week free of Showtime. I just keep banking that email because I'm waiting for the Baron Cohen right. show to all come out and then I'll do it and just kind of binge it. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? I have, um, I'll say this. This is something else I wanted to talk to you about a little bit, actually. I have, I know I said this before, but I have, continued to cut myself out of the news coverage Mm -hmm. out of all the Trump coverage. Basically I am staying away from all of it and I have started to understand the perspective of people um, who live in a monastery <laughs> no, of people who uh people who don't believe the Trump coverage basically mm-hmm. because after like stepping out of it for a couple weeks, I went back into like the politics front page for um to just cuz I was bored the other day and I got hit with this feeling of like there's no way all of this can be true. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there is so much bad stuff going on Mm -hmm. that it is unbelievable that if you're not following it on a day to day basis and if you're just hit with like a random like, yeah, but what about this? I completely understand being like, there's I I don't believe you. There's no way that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Because the stuff that he's doing is so egregious Mm -hmm. that it just is like. This can't be like, it can't be true. Yeah. And I think the people aren't seeing the effects. Did you see he pardoned the Hammonds? Does the Oregon people? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He pardoned (laughs) the Hammonds. That is such a, listen, the fact that he pardoned. And then they flew home on like Pence's private jet or something. I'd saw that. (laughs) And the fact that he pardoned. Uh, Dinesh right. D'Souza. Yeah. Like, to me, that's emblematic. Let, let's just take the Dinesh D'Souza pardon. It is meaningless and stupid, and it's for an objective idiot. 
Right. But it has no real impact on my life. It's only an absurd thing that happens in my periphery. Yeah. And I think that he's done things that will affect people, but until either it does hit them, like like you said, it just seems so unbelievable, you know? It's like the tariffs happen mm-hmm. and people are you know, I'm seeing like every day like hey, the steel industry is really getting hit, you know, and like all yeah. this stuff. But it's like I don't know the steel industry. I do, I'm just driving to work right. today. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like eventually he's going to do something that will either touch your life or something that he's already done will actually then be felt. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think then, yeah, like you said, it'll be like, wait a minute. Is, is some of this stuff true? This other stuff true? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I mean, they blew past the deadline that they set for themselves to reunite the immigrant children with their parents. And the reason given was just like, uh, listen, um, they shouldn't have come over illegally. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's so insane and bizarre. But again, like I haven't visited a facility. I'm not on the border of Texas. Like, yeah, but I have to believe that that, that everything that they're saying from there is true. But like you said, some people are like posting things that you, you know, I just want to be like, so what are you arguing about? Oh, this one image was proven to not be from a separation. Mm-hmm. So then kids aren't being separated because right. we know that's not true. So then what do you argue? You know? Yeah. And to me, again, it goes back to like, it's just lazy thinking. It's just, well, that's probably partisan. As well, but yeah, it's partisan and lazy thinking, or it's just not wanting to think. Yeah, he's going back. No, my life is good. Yeah, hey, there's a there's a fire over there. No, my life is good. I didn't say your life wasn't good. I just said there's a fire over there. Yeah, my life is good though. Yeah, well, my house isn't burning down. Yeah, but it's not it, like it's not even it's not even that they like recognize a threat, or sometimes it's not even that you're you're recognizing a threat to them. Mm-hmm. You're just pointing something out, you know. Yeah, there's a there's a, a monkey throwing poop next door. Yeah, it's I, not at you, but yeah. he's doing it. I no, think no, it's just good. this like it's like it, I think it's just this like the sports angle of it. It's just is people have picked teams and they have to support that team no matter what. Yeah, I really think a lot of it is as simple as that. Yeah, which is is the same thing. It's just like lazy thinking, it's just like not looking at anything critically. Hmm. Yeah, I. You know, it made me think too. Like, so I. I kind of went into a, a little spiral today, but um. I think I. Th- I thought as a kid that there are people looking out for our best interests, and the older I get, the less I believe that that's true, mm-hmm. or the more I believe that the people who are looking out for our interests are the fringe people of all of their industries, because you look at technological advancements you look at just societal advancements things that are happening the crystal clear example that first made me think this is elon musk's uh mini sub mini sub Mm -hmm. what (laughs) are you doing you're you're the lead you're our you're our savior yeah. Right? Like this guy's our savior. And you look at like the Tesla 
and the company is like super underwater. Mm -hmm. The cars are not living up to all the expectations and the Mm -hmm. promise. And Elon Musk is looking at a disaster and being like, uh, mini sub. And people are like trolling him. And he's like, yeah, that's actually good. Yeah, we should put music in there Mm -hmm. to calm them or whatever. You know, it's you realize like this guy's secretly dumb. Oh, Elon Musk is a moron. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just like hidden by all of his like money Mm. and companies and whatever that we just say like, oh, he's got it figured out. He's got something going on. Yeah. I'm too dumb to to realize it. Or you hear like Amazon or Google want to build like corporate cities for their people. Mm -hmm. And they're and they're looking at it. They're being like, no, it's a campus. Why wouldn't we build a campus? Why wouldn't we want people to live close to where they work and provide all that they need? And then why wouldn't we put a bubble around it? Right, exactly. And then why wouldn't we not think about the community that we are in the middle of and see it as a community? And then look, why wouldn't we blast our bubble into outer space? Mm-hmm. Because now this earth is uninhabitable. Like, you know what I mean? You can see the seeds to all these things. Right. Or it's like the genetic modification stuff too. You know, it's like, why wouldn't I make a chicken turkey? Like, why wouldn't I do it? I don't know. It's delicious. Like, and it's not hurting anything, but it's like, is it not hurting anything? Like, I don't even know that it is, but the fact that no one that we probably don't even have a structure to examine the impact of what you're messing around with should tell us something Mm -hmm. that maybe we need to slow down. Even if all you're trying to do is make a turkey and a chicken combined. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I just, you know, invasive species are still an issue. <laughs> you know, yeah. The basic principle of, oh, you want that species to, to uh, be controlled? Bring in another species. And then that species becomes a problem. Like, that has not laid out a blueprint for anybody yet. Like, we still can't control that basic idea. That, that has, like, mystified, you know, cultures. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm just looking around and I'm like, just on the basic premise of generic science fiction, you can counteract, you know, 60% of these ideas mm-hmm. and people just don't see it or, yeah. you know what I mean? Which again, which is why like I find equal or maybe greater value in popular culture a lot of times than I do in like devoting myself to the uh, temple of Elon Musk and reading all of his stuff and any book that he references running off and reading that. And, you know, like I'd rather watch, um, I'd rather watch Jaws, but I'd rather watch Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And think about, oh, are robots people? I don't know. You know what I mean? Because no one making robot people now is thinking that. Right. Right. No, they 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 got the the only thing they got from that was like the was like the proof of concept. They're like, oh yeah, we could do this, <laughs> and then and then they tuned out. Yes, right. There's no repercussions to it. It just was like, oh yeah, we could. Hey, we could probably do this. I want the dinner party after Blade, the first Blade Runner, where one guy is like. You know, was he a replicant? Was he not? You know, even if he was, does that 
devalue his life or his dreams or aspirations mm-hmm. and then wanting to go read the Philip K. Dick story. And the other guy has literally just said, can we make a robot person? I'm going to make a robot person. <laughs> you know? right. and like, You're thinking about the programming, all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a strange, like cult of personality. Like this just strange, like corporate worship that our culture is undergoing with like Google and Amazon, like the Google communities and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, like you can just live on campus and Hey, if something comes up you can just walk, leave your house, walk down the road. It's like, like you're working for Google, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're like, that is the, it's not about the collective betterment of humans or even employees at Google or society. It's about making Google bigger, making Google more (laughs) powerful. Yeah. Right. And (laughs) draining their employees of everything possible for that cause. Right. Uh, it just is this strange, I don't know. It's just so weird. And it's also this part of it too, is this idea of like, um, these people being like irreplaceable that really bothers me where Mm. I feel like, I feel like they're the most replaceable. You know what I mean? Like, I think the best example of this is Steve jobs, Mm. like Steve jobs is heralded as a genius, right? Like this genius inventor ahead of his time, blah, 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 whatever. He dies and Apple's now the, under the guise of Tim Cook, Apple's now literally the most profitable company in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like if Steve Jobs is replaceable yeah. by some guy who people think is clearly not as smart or innovative as Steve Jobs, like right. then who is irreplaceable? Name. Right. Like he's I feel like he's more easily replaceable than someone uh who's working in the factories, right? Because it's like that person takes a lot of training. Steve or uh Tim Cook is just like an ideas guy. Well here name or, one I, I mean he's probably more like a yes man at this right. point. Name one post-Steve Jobs Apple product. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, everything's been iterations of that. But also, too, like, you look at, like, John Skipper, you know, you know the head of ESPN. It's like, mm. he's like, yeah, hey, look, I'm stepping down because I some guy's blackmailing me because I was doing a bunch of cocaine. It's like, okay, like, so you're the, you're, you're supposedly making yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars because you're, like, the spearhead of this giant ship but like he's been replaced oh and he obviously was not like if you're doing so much cocaine that you have to resign because you're being blackmailed like i feel like that's probably going to be easy to replace well and here's the other thing there's somebody down on like the basement level that if they miss a week of work they're in danger of losing their job exactly you know but he could literally be blacked out on cocaine right. in his private jet. Yeah. And ESPN is like, yeah, we, we didn't notice. Yeah. Huh. You, you know, is he there? Is he having cocaine? Is he like working his tail off? Yeah. Because we're not noticing anything. Here's the other thing, too. The, the safeguards. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there were never safeguards. 
But just look at Experian, the Experian hack. Mm-hmm. I was af- affected by the Experian hack. Like, there is no reason why Experian should still be one of the top three oh, or yeah. four credit Absolutely. like uh, powers in, in the world. That, to me, also stems from the uh, housing collapse that was propagated by the banks right. that literally, like, there are some that never lost their CEO. He just stayed. Yeah. Or he just moved to a different bank. Or he just golden parachuted off right. into another company and became CEO of that company. Yeah. You know? And I, I lack faith in a system that says, oh, Experian can't go. Like, we don't care what they right. do. We don't care if they, you know, expose 143 million Americans uh, to hackers. Like, with them gone, everything will be topsy-turvy. Yeah. And, and I think that we've signaled time and time again to these CEOs and these companies, like, hey, you guys, the only thing that's keeping you on the rails is a shred of human decency or just the lack of the public to understand what you're doing, you know? Yeah. And we've seen that in, like, little things. Like all the ways that companies dodge taxes. Yeah. Even companies that are proudly saying like, made in America, by America, have offshore accounts to dodge. I don't care if it's dodging $100,000 of tax. You're dodging taxes, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, again, we, we either don't know or don't care, uh, but they have been signaled time and time again, like, do it. We don't care. Like, do whatever you need. Yeah. Experian, you made it. Google, you made it. Amazon, you're in. Like, we will now follow you all. Yeah. Where, where you need to go. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And it, it's ridiculous that people want to fight that with any, like, what, what the only argument you can do is like, well, that's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's always been like ridiculously corrupt and terrible mm-hmm. yeah um so that's why i'm announcing my candidate today <laughs> my candidacy uh for the democratic socialist party uh, i'm running for president of a of a city state okay To talk about stuff we watched. Yeah. All right. Oh. You first. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I'll go quick. We've been watching Queer Eye uh, on Netflix. Uh-huh. Season one. <clears throat> I just got to an episode that I couldn't do because the person they were making over. Here's, here's the... Th- yeah. I have a queer eye rant. Okay. I don't I haven't been watching it. Julia um has been wa- sort of like watching it when I am out walking the dog and then when your, I get, your rant may be the same as me. And as then when I get go. back, I, I doubt it. When I okay. get back it'll be on. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't been paying very much attention to it. But I did come back while she was watching one episode and 
they were teaching a guy how to make food, right? And the guy was like, the guy, the um, queer guy, is that what I'm supposed to call him? <laughs> Feels wrong, but I don't know what his name is. Um, the guy that was helping him teach was like, this is going to be so sexy, right? And they're making food. And my yeah. first thought was, I have never in my life, never eaten made a piece of food that made me <laughs> feel sexy or that like made me horny afterwards. You're eating even. the wrong food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. Like, am I? Like, maybe that says more about like my gross binging eating habits than anything else. But like, I do not imagine eating anything and then afterwards feeling sexy. Right. And then he, and then he goes on to be like, um, I can't remember. He's like, you add this and you add this, but then he like gives this disclaimer, like, and it's going to be really green, but that's okay. And then, then it ends up that he's making like, uh, he's making a salad dressing. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? What, what's funny is the guy who does the food is widely regarded as the one with the least amount of like, oh, really? Knowledge and experience. Dude, I watched one last night where he showed the guy how to make hot dogs. You know? Hot dogs? Yeah, hot dogs. <laughs> and like the first one, uh, the, he showed a guy like how to make guacamole. Yeah, like, I mean, well, that uh, an avocado that you smush up yeah. with a fork, and then you put some <laughs> salt and paprika in there yeah. if you want to get crazy. Um, I mean, it's it's absolutely um, insane. My my rant is basically just it's it's the same problem that you have with a lot of that I have with a lot of these shows, which is like, hey, come watch us stomp in this person's life for a little bit mm -hmm. superficially like get them up on their feet and then bounce yeah you know and the the episode they had to skip was like 32 two year old guy still living with his parents and fancies himself a comedian oh boy yeah but like clearly i mean you know he he basically announced in the opening that he's a comedian with the same seriousness that an assassin would announce like their profession you right. know and uh I i'm just like i just can't want like to be 32 and living with your parents mm -hmm. and to be like on that trajectory of life like you you need some intervention yeah. you know you don't need people to come in here right and be like this looks like a 12 year old's room like the room is a reflection of his mindset. Right. You know, you, like, you need something more than queer eye to come in and, and help. Yeah. You. And, yeah. and on some of them, I think that they are perfectly vetted to be, Hey, this is a guy who had something who lost it and he needs to get his groove back. Right. And you guys are going to come in and put him in touch with that again. Yeah. But then there are the people who are like, no, this person is stunted and you are, I can't feel, I can't go with you guys on that ride. Yeah. Of like, oh, I feel so good for him afterwards because he's either on his own now, completely out of his element, or he's back in with his parents. And guess what? You're not doing a follow up on season three. Of Let's go back and fix his life. You know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, so yeah, that that's my problem with it. Is I just you know, we've been here for a week with you, and you know, I want to adopt you, and you're so great, and you're yeah. just like, you know, let's. And you came into someone's life for a week. 
Maybe they got a little better, but yeah. patterns are harder to break than that, right. I think. Yeah, especially a pattern that's never been broken, right? If this guy's still living at home in his 30s. Yeah, like that is a that, that is an unbroken streak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Boy, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Queer Eye, um, we also, I feel like we just finished, oh, We've started watching um, Sharp Objects on HBO. Uh-huh. That just started. Uh, Amy Adams, Gillian Flynn. Is that based on a book? Yeah, by uh, Gillian or Jill- I think it's Gillian oh, okay. Flynn, the um, author of Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, the, the book was okay, but you know it needed something. And the first episode I thought was uh, really, really uh, well done mm-hmm. and interesting. So. Um, sharp objects we're we're watching and that's good. Um, and then uh, I watched Caliber on Netflix, which I related uh, or compared to The Ritual mm-hmm. on Netflix. The Ritual I really liked. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Um, but Caliber is it's not a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. It's not as ambitious as The Ritual. Mm-hmm. It's telling a more simple story, one that you've seen before, but in a way that I think is really well done. Like, especially the acting um, is super well done. Yeah. Uh, I watched um, Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, mm-hmm. the documentary with about Fred Rogers. Right. And it didn't make me, like, bawl my eyes out or anything. You know, some people are like, oh, it was inconsolable the whole time. And <laughs> it's not that, but I think. I think it, it also people lose the idea of like one thing that makes him so amazing is he was simply what he believed. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Like he didn't um, do anything more than just be a person of principle. Mm-hmm. And the thing that stuck with me though was towards the end of his life, he really questioned his own impact. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if Fred Rogers gets to the end of his life and is like, looking at the TV landscape and being like, where's my influence? Right. Then that makes me want to give up on any, like, you know, hope and dream that I would have of like, yeah, I want to fix something. I think it's easier to glorify these people, though, when (laughs) their entire legacy exists before the internet. Mm. (laughs) Like, how much... How different do you think Fred Rogers' legacy is if he lives, if he's alive today, if he's got 10, 20 years of the internet being around? Because I think of somebody like Raffi, right? Mm-hmm. Seems completely wholesome, seems to, the same thing, has sort of like lived his convictions, but then he's said some like kind of crazy stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you remember one? I haven't. Um, like ballpark it for me political or just personal yes political stuff um i can't remember some of it it has to do i want to say well i'm not i don't even know how to ballpark it yeah but yeah he said some stuff not like completely like outlandish stuff but stuff where it's like you hear somebody saying it and then and then they're like Oh yeah, Raffi said that, and you're kind of like, hmm. You know what I mean? You like <laughs> yeah. give that little like that doesn't make dog me feel head turn. We're like, oh okay, that's a little unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I, I I've said this to you. I think that that's true of anybody who's 
getting old. Yeah, exactly. That's you my know? that's my point though. But because yeah. Fred Rogers was not alive during that time, like we're able to be like, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, we're not, able and to... I'm not saying that he's not right. That he's not that thing, but there's the poss- There's just that possibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, and and of course, they, and there are things about his legacy that are like, you know, he uh, tried to control, uh, you know, one of the the guys who acted on his show um, was gay, and Fred Rogers tried to say like, hey, you can't you know, have being the news mm-hmm. for being out at like a gay club and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like not while you're on the show that is against like whatever. Right. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Now at the same time, that guy can say like, he looked to Fred as like a surrogate father and there was support and acceptance that Fred gave him. That I think was very meaningful on a personal level. But there was still this idea of the show, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, that it 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 gave you the idea like he would sacrifice somebody in 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 protection of the show. Sure, yeah. Um, so I mean, there, there is that stuff, of course. Like no one's perfect, nobody's perfect, and so of course he had those things, you know. And they said like he was a lifelong Republican. So I mean, who would he be now as a lifelong Republican? Right, would yeah. he be? a quote unquote, never Trump Republican who's still signaling like, listen, hate the guy, love those policies though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or would he actually be like, you know, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean like, dude, there, there's, there's stuff that I didn't like his first episode was like tackling the Robert F. Kennedy assassination. I mean like, <laughs> you know, he, he really did go after stuff yeah. and, uh, and, so, I mean, I think he was far more progressive than how people viewed him, mm-hmm. um, specifically on, like, racial issues. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, two other quick things. Sicario, Day of the Soledado. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I got to see Benicio Del Toro stick his finger in a trigger guard and then just wildly uh, move it back and forth. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the movie is... So, so I think that I can see why a lot of people don't like it, especially the opening 15 minutes are tough. I mean, it's basically like our borders are a war zone, cartels control them, and ISIS people can use them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's an interesting representation of, do you go to a movie to watch a, a story? Um, Elise and I... Uh, started rewatching Patriot Games with Harrison Ford mm-hmm. last night, and like all I realized in the '90s, everything mm-hmm. was the IRA. Every mm-hmm. bad guy belonged to the IRA, mm-hmm. and um, and that was like a little more accepted at the time for whatever reason. I don't know, you yeah. know. Uh, but I think that like even as a kid, or I don't know, I should ask my dad. I don't know that I went there and watched Patriot Games and walked away and been like, "Man, f the IRA! Like they're terrible! <laughs> like it's, it's yeah." It's Jack Ryan, a Tom Clancy novel. Sure. You know what I mean? And so part of me is like, you know, the people who go to get their politics from Sicario, they got deeper problems, you know? Yeah. At the same time, like, it doesn't make me feel good to see uh, a, a guy blowing himself up, crossing over the border, something that has not happened, like, in that way. And Sicario is kind of showing you as like, there's a rash of attacks of people mm-hmm. who, who came in the border that way, right? 
So that's not representing reality. And then just hear from the from my left, like two guys, like be like, "Oh, mm-hmm, hope, oh, hope." Oh. <laughs> just like. Uh, so anyway, um, that was that was whatever. And then the movie that I really want to talk to you about was The Endless. Yeah. So I watched that too. Um, the uh, right now, The Endless is right behind Deadpool too. Uh, and so it's right, gotten good reviews. Right ahead of Solo. Did for me. I, I did either of those I didn't get like good those. reviews? No. I, well. The Endless got amazing reviews. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I can't say I was disappointed because... Your expectations were low? Yeah. I, I mean, the, I didn't see their other movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, you didn't spring. see the last in spring. But I did yeah. see... Uh, Whatever their first movie is Resolution. called. Resolution. Resolution. Resolution is great. It's great. Spring but is it not was, good. But, it was, but I'll say this. Resolution was great after I read about it and figured out what I'd watched. Um, but I'd also seen it a long time ago. Um, but I think it's... Well, I, I guess we'll tackle the issues that, that you had with the movie. The directors as the lead actors was not a good idea. They're not strong actors. And I can't speak for Spring, but I will say for Resolution, um, I think the way it, it, I think the reason their acting sticks out so much is because I get the feeling that their writing style is mostly like improvised or it's mostly meant to be like, Hey, here's kind of the feeling and the direction we want for this scene. And then you guys sort of do with it what you want. And in resolution that works so well because they have like two uh, good actors who are able to like improvise on that stuff and build a chemistry. And it feels like in the endless, you have the writers basically acting out exactly what they have written down. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. what they had written down was more of like a feeling than it was actual dialogue. So the dialogue is strange and it's like, you can kind of see how like it would play out in their heads, mm-hmm. but as actual spoken dialogue, it doesn't work that well. Yeah. And so, yeah, them being the actors was, and it sticks out even more so because you get the actors from resolution in the endless and they're good and they're good. Yeah. They're really it's like, good oh, still. Okay. So it's like, why didn't you just get like actual actors? Well, yeah, to me, I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt and say financing. Yeah. That's normally what it comes down to. Um, you know, Two big leads is just a big piece of your budget if you're willing to be like, hey, we'll work at cost or whatever. Yeah. So I think the for me the biggest disappointment about the endless is that it retcons the explanation of resolution of like the audience being the monster. You know what I mean? Because in the endless, you know who the monster is. It tells you very directly who the monster is in resolution. Mm-hmm. Whereas the thing 
for me that made resolution great was the ambiguity of the ending and then having to go and read and then reading this like really thought out intricate explanation of like, oh, the monster in resolution is supposed to be the audience. Right. right? And the audience's desire to watch a sort of like gory, bloodthirsty horror movie. And what this shifts it to is an audience. This is not us as an audience, but they're still being watched by and performing for yeah, an audience. Well, sure. Watching. Like in a in a figurative sense, but the movie's not that figurative. It is very literal. It's pretty literal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can say it's in the endless, it's an audience, but in the actual movie, it's like a god or whatever. Or a, it's it's a actually a monster in the sky. Yeah. A well, monster uh, that exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. But but that's watching these people. Sure. And so, and so I think it's not so much a retcon as a deepening of the understanding that first explanation is right, you know, but where they said we are the monster as the audience, Mm -hmm. we are just actually observing from the monster's point of view at the end. And and it's revealing itself to them. So, um, yeah. What did you think about the tone of it as well? Right? So you have one of them, walks away i forget how they get separated necessarily but then they, they come get separated because the one the older brother gets kicked out yeah gets told to leave oh right he gets told to leave and then his car doesn't have any or the batteries dead. right so he has to go walk and right. and he and then uh his brother comes back so at that point they understand roughly what's going on mm-hmm. the one brother has seen the guy hang himself and try and kill himself multiple times. Mm-hmm. The other brother has been told, like, hey, by the third moon, you won't be able to leave. Right. What then follows is this, like, quirky romp back to the car. You know what I mean? Where there's no real sense of, like, concern. Yeah. And in fact, at one point, you know, one of the brothers is like, let's stay. We can stay. Yeah. You know? Number one. It made me think like he saw the guy killing himself over and over and over again, right? He, they know that this is not a good, healthy place. Right. You know what I mean? Which to me could speak to like the entrapped mentality, right? Like that kind of cult mentality, you, in some ways being trapped is better than being free. Right. You could comment like that. Well, in their life outside of the cult was bad. Well, yes, yes, exactly. But what I didn't get then was like this tone of like humor that runs through it a little bit where even when they get to the car and they're like, no, let's try and get out of this thing. They're still like, like sparring back and forth on either side of the car. And I'm like, either you guys are in this car screaming, trying to get away from this thing, or this is not a real fear for you guys. In that case, just stay then. Like, I don't care. You know what I mean? But you can't like, be this like we got to get out of here and be like you never push as hard as i push you know yeah and i'm just like yeah God. i think to me that plays into the sort of chemistry nature of it the the fact that they i can understand you you get you can see what they're going for but they're not strong enough actors to pull it exactly. off and so it just falls flat yeah. it falls so flat actually that I didn't really 
none of the humor even like registered with me outside of the like redneck guy who hangs himself, which I didn't like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading, um, I was reading some comments on Reddit about the movie. And one of the comments was like, oh, I actually thought this was their funniest movie ever uh, of the three. And my first thought was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even remember attempts at humor in the movie mm-hmm. because it just, it does not work at all. I saw edits that were meant to be funny and right, exactly. I found myself being like, oh, that was a, oh, that was yeah, a joke. Right. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And looking back at you can rec- like I was saying, you can recognize as like, oh, I, I get what they're going for. But because they're not good actors, it just is like, it feels like a table reader. It feels like, it feels like this is their sort of like, like, it feels like they're almost playing the scene for real actors. And you're like, hey, this is kind of the feeling, this is the feeling we're going for. It it also, I couldn't understand what the rules were of the cult. Yes. Like, they show up and they seem in some ways like bound not to tell them. Yeah. But then they tell them, like, what's going on. I, I was just like, so wait, can you tell them, like, oh, hey, guys, we're stuck in a loop here. Yeah. Um, you know, if you stay, there's a monster that we all serve, and we'll die every whatever it is, 21 days, and then re- yeah. restart the loop or whatever. And, uh, and, and so it's like this weird, like, the whole first 45 minutes, once the stuff starts happening, I was like, what was that for first 45 minutes about that? Right. Like the, the people in the cold are just inviting them back and treating yeah. like, Oh, Hey guys, good to see you again. Like, you know, it, are they concerned about them? I, I didn't understand the motivations of the cult at all. Yeah. Um, and I know this is a nitpick, but it's something else that bothered me about it was everybody was the same age in the movie. And outside of like the old guy with the super long beard, mm-hmm. basically like the old prospector, everyone in the cult is the same age. But the problem with that is the brothers are supposed to be like way super younger than everybody else, especially the one brother. But they all are pretty like look to be the exact same age. But they're talking like, oh, this guy's like 10 years younger than everybody else. Yeah, no. Well, do, do you remember they're like, oh, they haven't aged? It's because they're in the loop. Oh, okay. So they but, all stayed but even then, young, and then they've only they been up. away from the cult for like a year. I thought. No, it's been longer. Well, th- remember they were raised in the cult, and then they left. And again, I don't know if it, they left for a year or whatever. I thought it was longer. Maybe, but but, but then when even they, so, the age is, thing is still not brought up, is it? So at yeah. one point they're like, yeah. why do they look so young? Yeah. Oh, okay. I missed that part. Right. I think that's probably the five seconds of. <laughs> Dozing off that that usually happens. Could be, yeah. Per per movie, it's it's really quick. But yeah, they go. They haven't aged. Oh, okay. At all. That so makes weird. more sense then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and at one point he's like, she's like, forty eight. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I missed a lot of it then somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, they were whispering. <laughs> yeah, but and uh, they're not good actors, so you were probably right. they were moving their mouth and like down. Yeah, but overall, I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, I guess the premise is interesting. Yeah, the, the, the premise is interesting. To me, again, I just I feel like they focus on the wrong things. That's the same thing I felt about Spring. So mark it down as a disappointment. I was super I excited for it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I feel like if they – I feel like if you walk into a scenario and you recognize that 
somehow people have not aged 20 years, like that's going to be the first thing to be like, hey, something is really, really, really wrong here. Well, no, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like the it's like the tone is all over the place. Yeah. It's like they're they're both realizing, recognizing a threat, but also like keeping up this like jokey premise and interaction. And I just wanted to pick one or the other, but yeah. they tried to they tried to play it down the middle and be like quirky and odd and spooky, and mm. it just ended up being like lukewarm to me. It just mm-hmm. didn't have any flavor or feeling. Okay, that's the endless. The endless. Uh, the other thing that I want to shout out really quick. This isn't something I've been watching, but Hollow Knight on Switch. Oh right, it is amazing. It's yeah. great. It's Fifteen dollars. It's awesome. How far have you gotten into it? I've heard it's super difficult. I am 30 hours in. Mm-hmm. The The best game I can compare it to is Hyperlight Drifter, uh-huh. which was something that I think we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You, me, and somebody else. I can't remember who the third person was. Mm-hmm. All I remember is when it finally came available on like Xbox, I bought it. And I was like, hey, guys, Hyperlight Drifter. And you're like, oh, I didn't buy it. And then everybody else backed out. It's not like it's a multiplayer game or whatever. No, it was an experience I was excited to share with with sure. you. And uh, and I ended up being the only person playing Hyperlight Drifter. I remember texting me like, this game is great. It's amazing. Yeah. And you never played it. Um, but it's like, it's it's weird. It's a game that I keep stepping back from. I go, this is a game I shouldn't like. I don't know why I like it. Like Super Meat Boy 2. Yeah. Super Meat Boy, Cuphead, Hyperlight Drifter, Hollow Knight. These are all hard platforming games that deal in frustration mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, learning a nuance or understanding an enemy or whatever. Generally, I would think that I would get bored with something or frustrated and then just move on. Something about challenging games, specifically like platformers or, well, Hyperlight Drifter has a great story. Like that, mm-hmm. that's in the and great art style. And that really pulled me through. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm a big fan of that game type and I didn't, I guess, realize it. Yeah. Um, but it's very difficult. Uh, you'll die a lot when you die, your soul is left in that spot. Right. And you have to go back and defeat it to get all your money that you've earned back. And there have been times where I lost a lot of money and just been furious is it something that the girls could watch me play or is it like super violent no there's an area that gets super creepy okay um what's interesting too is like it doesn't really direct you so like i found this place late when i was ready for it so i managed it a lot Mm -hmm. but if you look at deep nest this area of the map Mm -hmm. just search on google you'll see people who are like Am I stuck forever? Is this, am I ever getting out of here? Like, because you can fall into a place that you're outmatched for, and then it's on you to still figure out a way to get out. Or yeah. if you die, sometimes they'll spawn you out of it. It's wherever you saved last. Right. So if you save, then you're out of it, but then your soul is down there and mm. whatever money you had. So it, it, in some ways, it's trying to be difficult. But down there, um, it's dark. The whole game surrounds, it, like, involves insects. Mm-hmm. So maybe like mute it like because you can hear scuttling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Probably play it with volume ideally, but if the girls are watching, they're, they're just going to hear like bugs crawling around, which can get a little like, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And on that one in Deep Nest, if you kill a creature, sometimes it'll like grow like there's a parasite in it. It'll grow like big legs and then like mm. crawl around still. Yeah, that's probably not the best. Ter- it terrified me the first time I heard. All I yeah. heard was like I defeated an enemy. I left and I heard a scuttling. Right. Like just a scuttle. And then I went back down and I see this thing like, you know, um, yeah. having said that, though, everything like hit points are black. You know, there's nothing. The art style is creepy, though. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not violent. But I can't believe it's $15. Yeah. Like that, that's everything that's crazy. And we've talked about like switch prices on games, which is uh, just nuts. Yeah. But like I'm 30 hours in. I think I could finish the game right now, mm-hmm. but there are enough things I want to collect and upgrade before I go on this final push. Mm-hmm. I'm still running around, but you know, 30 plus hours for $15. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, cr- yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably check it out. Um, so yeah, Hollow Knight is great. And you've helped me like, I'm a one game at a time person now. Mm-hmm. Normally, I'm like multiple books at a time, multiple games. But like the only other game that I'll play is like Fortnite. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but I, but I found like I just want to enjoy games now. Yeah, there's so many like on my wish list, but mm-hmm. just trying to like just play until I I feel done with the game before I move on. Yeah, and I'm not done with Hollow Knight yet. So mm-hmm. is that a Switch exclusive? Hollow no. Knight? Okay. It was PC last year. Oh, but it's not on. Is it on the other consoles though? I think it's coming, okay. and it might it might be. But I think the Switch is the best way to play that. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. That's all I've got. Me too. I mean, I'm we spent. we watched The Incredibles, but I don't have much to say about it. I keep getting into you to say yes and no to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let's go. No. So I really want to see it though. Really bad. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. Um, yeah, we watched that, and then we watched Spirited Away, which I haven't watched since, like, college, probably. Holds up. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. I was afraid the girls would be freaked out by it, mm-hmm. but they weren't. Uh, I don't think they were. <laughs> but, I mean, they didn't have a nightmare or anything. But that, mo- yeah. that movie is creepy. That movie yeah. is, is creepy. As an adult, I was, like... Especially like some of the stuff like No Face does, you're like, like I watched the entire movie with them with like my finger on the like home button on the Roku, <laughs> just so waiting, I could just like bail out as soon as one of them was like, nah. but it never happened. Um, really quick, if you want to see the most sadistic fifteen minutes in children's, uh, in modern children's of cinematic history. Mm-hmm. I think some of the stuff that we watched as a kid was really screwed up now that I look at it. But I'd probably say in the last 10 years, it's How to Train Your Dragon 2. Oh, yeah. Indy is really into How to Train Your Dragon. So we watched the second one. The second one involves his absent mother, uh-huh. who he gets reunited with, and he reunites with his father. And you think, like, they're going to be at each other's throats or whatever. But after all these years, the father just, like, embraces her again. Mm-hmm. And they do this, like, really careful courting, like, recording of, of the couple. It's, like, really well done and told. Like, they sing a song together. 
you you keep cutting back to Hiccup, the boy who's like watching them like get reunited, uh-huh. and he reproposes to her, and she agrees to come back and live with them as a family. And then he's murdered. <laughs> Not only is the dad killed in the very next scene, he's killed by the boy's dragon, toothless. Oh, wow! That you have like followed for a movie and a half so, by, by, a by this though, point. Murdered implies intent. Was he intentionally killed by the dragon, or was it an accident? Toothless. Is it murder? Was is it manslaughter? Toothless. Yeah, involuntary manslaughter. <laughs> toothless was mind controlled. But ah, Toothless okay. was mind controlled and did a fire blast at Hiccup. Yeah. And Hiccup's dad dove in front of him and got blessed instead. Yeah. And they do the funeral. They send him out on a boat and then oh, wow. shoot the boat with a flaming arrow so and they burn do like it. a Viking funeral? They do a Viking funeral. Wait a minute. Are they Vikings in How to Train Your Dragon? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. But it is like, it's a 10 minute like courting scene. Like, yeah. They are just really digging the knife in there. Before yeah. they just like twist that. That's thing. like a kids' movie staple, though. It's like the parents being dead. Not in this Mustafa way. Mustafa gets killed. Yeah, yeah. But no, imagine th- the the equivalent would be, and it's not Muf- Mustafa. <laughs> You've done that now multiple times. Mustafa. It's Mufasa. But he gets killed. Aladdin doesn't have any parents. Yeah, imagine. The frozen girls don't have any parents. Imagine if Mufasa went away for 10 years. Yeah. And then came back and was like, son, I'm back. I'm never leaving you again. I love you. Uh, I'll always be here for you. And then, uh, and then the son's girlfriend kills him. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not even that he dies. It's a toothless kills him. Sure. And you want to be like, you just did something like very emotionally complicated. Yeah. How are you going to deal with this? And they deal with it by like, he just goes and gets toothless back. You know what I mean? But you're <laughs> like, why would you introduce that if you can't follow that up with something? Yeah. Say something about it, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to me how. Flash the words Holocaust metaphor. <laughs> right. Nazi metaphor. It's interesting to me how, how heavily kids' movies rely on like death as like a dramatic catalyst mm-hmm. like it's in a, a i would say a majority of kids it's, it's harder to find examples where death is not a part of it yeah than when it is and like significant death not just like the bad guy dies like a family member dies you know what i mean like it's not in the incredibles which i think obviously proves that like you don't need that <clears throat> Yeah, but that's probably it, the one negative. As a as a parent, makes me really uncomfortable watching kids movies with my kids because it's always like, I mean, maybe it's a, the parent thing too, but maybe it's also like as I've gotten older, my increased sensitivity sensitivity <clears throat> to death. But it's just like, man, that, I I don't know how kids handle this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess outside of just like them not. Just not fully comprehending. Yeah, they just don't really understand. Death it. only happens in the movies. Right. Well, I just I not love you, Dad. What forever. it actually means, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like the girls haven't known anybody that's died outside of Willie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they didn't really care for Willie. <laughs> it's like it wasn't a big influence that much. much.